Several open source streaming platforms have appeared in recent years, and it can be difficult to figure out the trade-offs between them. Spark, Storm, Flink, and Samza each have benefits and disadvantages. Satish Mittal is an architect at Inmobi, a, a mobile advertising platform that recently built streaming into its backend. Satish, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you. You work at Inmobi, and in order to understand the backend requirements for your application stack so we can get an idea of which streaming platform was the best fit, could you tell me what Inmobi does? Sure. So I'll just give a quick introduction about uh, Inmobi. Uh, so basically, Inmobi uh, is uh, essentially an ad network. And uh, uh, Inmobi, as of today, it uh, is able to reach uh, around 175 countries and uh, uh, serve ad requests to the tune of around 8 to 10 billion daily requests and uh, it's, uh, it can also reach around 1.4 billion uh, devices across the world so so as you can uh, very well uh, see uh, we essentially have a huge amount of data uh, getting processed and uh, we need to make sense out of the data gather insights so as to be able to uh, uh, serve the most relevant ads to the most uh, to to the user uh, by giving him maximum value right so that's the that's the major premise of our uh, processing yeah yeah and so for people who aren't familiar with uh the the levels of throughput in these advertising technology platforms I think, you know, a good analogy is like a stock exchange uh, where you just have like tons and tons of feeds that are intersecting and matching buyers and sellers. Um, there's a lot of data and 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 latency is is a is a big deal. So right. So so yeah, the, that's a good analogy. Basically, an ad network uh, uh, is think of it like uh, a marketplace. You have demand and you have supply. So so the uh, in essence, we uh, we get requests from a publisher, for example, if you are on a mobile and you're playing a game, Subway Surfer, for example, and you see all those ads. So those are served by ad networks. And then there are uh, a lot of advertisers who want to reach to their target audiences. Uh, they could be uh, people who are using uh, I- iOS or people who are living in, let's say, uh, US or, you know, uh, uh, young people, college goers, there could be a lot of uh, such criteria which they want to target. So, and and so in the in the past, we've done several shows about stream processing, and we've talked about um, this explosion of new technologies, uh, kind of that have come since the Hadoop stack originated. And the Hadoop was kind of this batch everything. Everything is batch, um, but with you know, streaming. You have uh, you have different different platforms and different sets of requirements with stream processing. So, could you start off by defining what is real time stream processing? Sure. So, as you have said, uh, so far the big data processing uh, inevitably meant batch processing. What it meant was. Uh, there is huge amount of data getting generated by machines 
and we have to just process that maybe you know once in a day or on an hourly basis and what we care is to uh, process the entire data so we are mostly caring about the throughput that hey i have uh, these hundreds of gigabytes of data or potentially terabytes of data can i crunch it uh, as fast as possible uh, in in the chosen frequency so typically batch processing would not care that much about latency right it would care about throughput so that was the major uh, trade off whereas uh, when we say real time right so the focus is more on how fast can i uh, get the required insight out of my processing so basically uh, we don't want to wait for those hours or days to get to know that hey you know what some activity happened uh, in that part of the world on our network but my ad serving systems are learning about it only the next day that's simply not acceptable so to define what real time means we are talking about insights being available in a very short time interval uh, so we are talking when we say short we're talking of order of let's say seconds right so prior to implementing streaming when you had this you know when you wanted to get to this closer to this like second latency um many of your applications had to model themselves on micro batching which is something you you did with hadoop what is what is micro batching and what what are the problems with micro batching yeah so basically hadoop was meant for doing batch processing that hey i have this finite data set okay which is getting generated uh, once in a day okay i have let's say let's take an example i have these 100000 files on sdfs which gets generated once in a day now if i were to reduce the latency on this very same platform one obvious approach would be that hey why don't i reduce the size of my batch so what it could mean is that okay why don't i Uh, organize my data in let's say some minutely directories okay and why don't i pick up uh, one minute uh, directory data set at a time so what i have done in this process is to shrink my batch interval from in our example one day or one hour to one minute so basically we have broken up a huge batch into large number of small small batches each such batch can be thought of as a micro batch so this strategy works it obviously gives us better latency than the last time but then uh, what happens to the underlying pla- platform now hadoop platform uh, sees a huge stress because what happens is that we are submitting a very large number of short lived jobs and all these jobs are getting queued uh, in my job tracker uh, and uh, creating a huge stress uh, on uh, the the processing uh, layer in terms of the containers being asked so for each job uh, for those who uh, use hadoop they know that for each job there is a 
uh, initialization time where the container has to be asked by your uh, from your resource manager in in the yarn world there is a setup time uh, there is an initialization time so there is a lot of overhead before the actual processing can trigger in uh, for the first uh, message okay so so these uh, so the problem is essentially happening because hadoop is natively not built to perform stream processing it's it's kind of uh, a hack or kind of a workaround uh, which we are uh, trying to achieve by doing micro batching on hadoop and that's precisely the reason we need to look out for the best fit for uh, handling such kind of use cases beyond hadoop so now that we've motivated the need to move beyond batch and micro batch and to, towards streaming, let's talk about the different stream platforms that you are considering. At, at, the, at the beginning of your analysis of these different stream processing platforms, when you're looking at the different use, uses that you could, um, well, the different products that you could be using mm -hmm. for streaming, mm -hmm. what were these different streaming products that you were considering? Right, so... Uh... In Mobi, uh, we, we, uh, when we started doing our analysis for uh, choosing the right uh, stream processing platform, there were a lot of choices available at that time. Uh, it was, uh, so we were talking of around uh, six to seven months ago. And primarily, uh, we have Apache Storm, which is uh, uh, one of the first uh, platforms uh, to be built in the, in the real-time stream processing um, uh, paradigm and then uh, spark is uh, these days getting a lot of traction uh, in the batch processing it has uh, in essentially uh, replaced hadoop and they also have an offering in the stream processing world uh, in the form of spark streaming so given the large uh, uh, community of spark uh, and a lot of other advantages which you get uh, spark streaming was yet another candidate we had then in addition we also were exploring uh, samza apache samza uh, which has uh, uh, been developed at linkedin and uh, later incubated uh, into apache and last but not least there were also uh, there was also uh, uh, apache flink which had got incubated at that time but it was uh, a fairly new player so basically we just thought of uh, you know uh, picking up top two or three uh, platforms and uh, we just narrowed down to Storm and Spark Streaming. Uh, the reason for choosing these two was purely in the interest of time because, mm. because uh, 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 what we felt is that uh, if one were to do uh, justice to the evaluation, we need to, uh, first of all, clearly define what do we really want as an enterprise who wants to standardize on a streaming platform there are some clear-cut criterias on which each platform has to uh, uh, get evaluated and answer the questions doesn't matter whether the, the enterprise is in movie or uh, uh, some other company but uh, these use cases and these asks are fairly common so we thought of um, defining these criteria and then evaluating uh, 
uh, our the, the platform of our choice uh, on those criteria. So that was how we went about. So you narrowed down your options to Storm and Spark Streaming. You eliminated Samza and Flink. It sounds like you eliminated Flink quickly because it was just too young. Why did you eliminate Samza so quickly? Yeah, Flink uh, was uh, really uh, uh, providing a lot of promising uh, data models in terms of the DSL, but yeah, because it it had just arrived at the scene at that point of time uh, we really didn't have uh, the conference but samza was uh, an interesting case because uh, there were in fact a lot of uh, people uh, who wanted to even explore samza so the things boiled down for us to you know pick and choose between spark streaming and samza so mm-hmm. we just opened uh, the the forum to you know all the people all the developers and architects and we just uh, sort of got a sense that uh, probably we wanted to evaluate more spark streaming simply for the reason that spark is already being used by us in production oh and uh, there are already a lot of jobs running and we are seeing a good benefit so there was a natural inquisitiveness uh, or expectations to, you know, why don't we use Spark Streaming? Samza, simply because we were not using, uh, probably it was uh, not uh, finding those uh, in number of people favoring. But nothing to take away from Samza. It is indeed a great platform. But just as we said earlier, purely in the interest of time, we just wanted to, uh, you know, uh, make sure that this doesn't become a never-ending uh, evaluation so we just yeah so so um you mentioned that um spark is replacing hadoop what do you mean by that right so uh when we say spark is replacing hadoop that applies to the batch world so so are you talking about Hadoop MapReduce specifically? Right, right. So Hadoop was the de facto standard batch processing platform for a long, long time until Spark arrived. And uh, Spark uh, basically proved that there are a lot of uh, performance um, enhancements slash uh, benefits which are possible by an orders of magnitude over Hadoop and at the same time maintaining, uh, providing a very simple interface for developers to be able to quickly code up their uh, uh, batch processing uh, in terms of uh, functional primitives. So uh, there is no doubt that uh, the, the big data future seems to be more aligned towards spark is the is the primary problem with hadoop MapReduce that it checkpoints to disk so aggressively mm-hmm. right uh that's one of the top reasons that hadoop basically uh hits the disk churns the disk more too often than probably what is needed so mm. in hadoop world each job can be thought of as a, a DAG or a directed acyclic graph of only two levels where, you know, the first level is zero map and the second 
level of nodes are your uh, reducers if you want any uh, subsequent level you have to first write the data to disk then you have to trigger the next job which will read that very uh, the last output as its new input and then again repeat the process and this goes on and on now imagine if you were, uh, were to run a machine learning kind of a processing which is essentially iterative in nature where you just uh, finish a loop get some intermediate output and you want to run the very same uh, computation the the time taken and the disk resources uh, and the overall grid resources consumed are are far too much so spark naturally wins uh, in such kind of use cases in the batch world so if you're thinking already of the future being a world in which spark replaces hadoop mapreduce why wouldn't you just go ahead and say well we might as well use spark for our entire stream processing platform yeah there is a catch here that spark is basically at heart it's a batch processing platform it it is not natively an a stream processing platform so let us try to define what is what do we expect from a stream processing platform so that and and that's where the crux of our evaluation uh, really lies so the stream processing platform has to be able to support various kind of use cases more so if you want to standardize it as a platform uh in a large company where you know there are a lot of teams trying out various applications some of them would say that hey you know what i have this fire hose of event as soon as i get an event i just want to trigger my uh computational logic i just quick i just want to quickly get the output and consume i don't want to wait for it to be picked up with uh, another batch of messages right so if we can uh, generalize this kind of ask uh, it boils down to very low latency ask where essentially an application wants an event driven processing okay then there is another class of application which would say that uh, you know what we don't really uh, care that much about microseconds latency we are probably fine with hundreds of micros hundreds of millisecond latency or or even seconds of latency but we do want a better throughput and then finally the other extreme would say okay we are fine with tens of seconds of latency but then we want a, a even better throughput so as you can very well see there is a spectrum of use cases now what we found out as part of our evaluation by going deep into the architecture of uh, spark and uh, storm is that they are clearly there there is a lot of difference in what they can do and what they can't do mm well so let's let's start delving into those give me a high level overview of storm's architecture right so so storm is basically uh 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 dag processing platform where it allows you that's directed acyclic graph for people who don't know that's right by dag we mean a directed acyclic graph where you can represent your stream processing in terms of uh uh 
spout so 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 storm would define some key terminologies where there's something called a topology which captures the entire graph and the root of the graph would be what is called a spouts so spouts are your uh, sources of data which are ingesting data in your stream processing uh, uh, storm topology and uh, a spout basically consumes uh, input streams okay a stream is defined as an infinite sequence of tuples each tuple can be thought of as a message and uh, uh, tuples can be associated with schemas and there are like primitive schemas and you can define your own custom schemas through serializers so essentially spouts are the ones which would be ingesting data so there could be like let's say kafka spout so if somebody wants to consume data from a messaging platform messaging system like kafka you know so you can write a kafka spout or you can use the one which is available off the shelf and then uh, for each message you probably want to trigger your own processing where your actual application code resides so that is written uh, in what is called as bolt so a topology can be thought of as a wiring up of spout and a lot of bolts and these bolts are the ones which consume messages from their parent spout or bolts and then they can emit uh, tuples downstream so this allows an application developer to uh, define an arbitrarily sized graph of processing okay so so that that's pretty much about uh, uh, storm in a very very simplified uh, manner so uh, from this nature the spout and bolt topological nature um, what are the big advantages that you get? Right. So the first and foremost uh, advantage uh, which you could see when we actually uh, went through the documentation and uh, tried out a lot of uh, uh, applic uh, sample applications is what we found is that it for a beginner it was fairly easy to actually understand how to quickly onboard so so uh, uh, the entry barrier in terms of understanding the architecture and the overall design was not there uh, as, a, as a as a developer if i understand uh, uh, what spout does what a bolt does uh, and i just have a look at the interfaces i can very quickly uh, uh, define and just get going so to me that is one of the biggest advantages which the architecture provides there are other uh, uh, robust uh, strong points of their architecture uh, so for example the entire cluster is meant is is managed by the master daemon called nimbus and uh, so essentially storm allows you to define a multi uh, node uh, cluster where each node is managed by what is called a supervisor daemon and the supervisor daemon is the one which spawns a lot of worker uh, processes these worker processes are the ones where the topology runs okay so what it means is that if as an enterprise if i have some hardware resources available to me if let's say i have a 10 node uh, setup i can very well spin off a storm cluster and i can submit n number of topologies which would uh, be submitted over there and each topology uh, can be configured to run on 
the specified number of workers right so storm allows you to define the parallelism at various levels in your topology so, mm. so for example you can say that hey uh, I want to run this topology of let's say word count which is the the hello world equivalent on let's say four workers storm will automatically figure out which boxes should those workers be spawned within each worker um, uh, again if, if my topology has let's say uh, a spout and let's say uh, a word uh, a sentence uh, decoding kind of a bold I can configure the parallelism in terms of how many executor threads should be spawned uh, and within each executor I can again specify how many tasks of my bolts uh, should be uh, created. So Storm allows us to represent the parallelism at various levels A at the topology level, B at spout and bolt level at initialization time and more importantly once the topology is submitted and starts running it also allows us to scale out by simply throwing in more hardware and rebalancing the topology mm. okay so so now let's talk about spark streaming at, at a high level how does spark compare to the storm architecture right so at a high level uh Spark streaming is nothing but a wrapper on top of Spark. So what Spark streaming uh, says is that let us try to define uh, an, what is what they call as D stream, which is a discretized stream. So, so essentially, if I have an input stream, what Spark streaming does is it breaks down the stream into smaller batches okay and it passes on each input batch to the underlying spark framework and the spark framework picks up the input uh, batch uh, which uh, it calls as rdd rdd stands for resilient distributed data set which is the core abstraction of spark batch processing framework okay so spark streaming Cre uh, chops down the input stream into a lot of micro batches where each batch uh, is treated as a unique RDD by the underlying Spark framework. Mm. That creates an output uh, RDD and a sequence of these output RDDs uh, is what uh, comprises of an output D stream. So, in a sense, Spark Streaming is a stream processing system which is built on top of the core batch processing framework, right? And that, that, that's all uh, uh, if you really want to look at Spark Streaming from a 30,000 feet. So, I know that you wanted to get away from micro-batching. That was at the root of our introductory discussion right so was was that one of the one of the biggest downsides that you were looking at when you were thinking about spark okay so actually uh, we actually came up with a lot of evaluation criteria and we said that hey we want to look at both uh, storm and spark streaming how do they fare on each uh, criteria 
so so first of all we said uh, let let's see uh, what all kind of use cases we have it in mobi and we found that uh, there were actually a lot of applications which uh, didn't want to wait for order of seconds uh, they actually wanted to uh, process their data uh, as fast as possible period so for those kind of applications spark streaming wasn't uh, naturally the best fit uh, it was still possible to uh, uh, get go ahead with spark stream but that would have meant compromising some subset of use cases for the other subset so that was uh, so the micro batching was one of the aspects which probably did not go in favor of spark streaming for us but having said that there are a lot of other use cases uh, where uh, as we said in the beginning uh, they were simply fine with spark streaming so that meant that we had to actually you know go and look beyond the micro batching itself and try to evaluate on other criteria as well so i know that some people uh when they have different application requirements across their stack in terms of the time sensitivity for um for their data uh they go with like a lambda architecture mm-hmm. did you look at at the lambda architecture at all as a way that you were going to be architecting your system right so lambda architecture uh is uh, getting a lot of traction these days and uh, it's actually more of a buzzword if you if you <laughs> really ask because what it means is that if you if you are getting a lot of data as in, as your input you want to ha- have both stream processing as well as batch processing trying to work on the very same input and both generating different views uh simultaneously where in batch processing may just want to look at data at a daily level or at an hourly level whereas the stream processing may want to pick up the data of the current hour uh by which time your batch processing hasn't kicked in and then you have a layer which tries to unify the output of both your stream processing and batch processing so when we actually started summarizing our use cases we couldn't really find lot of such use cases at this point of time so we would want to build uh, some applications which want to be uh, based on lambda architecture at some point of time but then our uh, actually we didn't want to base our uh, uh platform choice on a future requirement as simple as that so we just thought of you know solving the use cases of which would be like more prominent right and so those use cases are outlined in these evaluation criteria which you considered right um so we should go through some of those evaluation criteria so you're looking at spark streaming and storm and you're trying to decide and so the first evaluation criteria is the processing model and you've already kind of outlined the pro- the different processing models of spark streaming and storm right storm is storm is these spouts and bolts that compose topologies and spark streaming is this uh resilient distributed data set right um pipeline so how how do these compare it sounds like 
it sounds like Storm at, at least wins out on on simplicity and ease of use. What what were the other right? So so in Storm actually. It's as simple as that. Uh, as soon as a message is picked up by the spout and handed over to the board, it immediately gets processed. Whereas in Spark Streaming, the message has to wait for what is what's called as the batch interval. So uh, Spark Streaming documentation says that uh, you can configure your batch interval to as low as half second. But then practically speaking, when you start... Uh, tuning your application beyond uh, initial hello world kind of applications and you start thinking of how to deploy them uh, very soon uh, you uncover that trying to reduce the batch interval uh, leads to lot of jobs which are getting uh, submitted uh, to the spark driver okay which creates a lot of pressure because what it would mean is that the entire process entire processing has to be done within that very time interval otherwise you you are going to have backlog on the other hand if you increase the um, the batch interval to say uh, five, uh, 5 second or 10 seconds you might get better throughput but then at the cost of latency so we actually uh, just went to the horse's mouth we actually uh, checked out the documentation and a lot of um, resources from the authors and they themselves uh, 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 try to caution that uh, the tuning of batch interval has to be done carefully so as to make sure that um, the steady state is achieved so there, so there is a bit of a caution advised uh, uh, while tuning the batch interval. Whereas uh, similar thing doesn't really exist in Storm. Mm. Got it. So what about message delivery guarantees and fault tolerance? You you compared Storm and Spark on this axis of message delivery guarantees and fault right. tolerance. How do they compare? Right. So actually, that is uh, that's a very uh, uh, important ask uh, uh, message delivery guarantees because some applications uh, so so let's try to define what's a message delivery guarantee really mean so some applications would want uh, what's called an at least once uh, guarantee that it's fine if you process a message more than once but you have to process at least once so in other words, application is saying, I'm fine with data duplication, but don't drop the message. Don't have data loss. There could be second class of application which would want uh, at most once guarantee. They would say, don't duplicate the data. Don't duplicate the message, okay? Uh, just pass the same message uh, at most once. And then, then there's a third class of application which says, I want each message to be processed exactly once, which means neither data loss nor data duplication. Now, there are different applications which would want different kind of guarantees. For example, very, let's take a very simple example. If, if you have a billing kind of an application, you want an exactly once. You don't want to overcharge somebody nor you want to lose money on the table. Okay? Now, at least once so if you are doing some kind of uh, uh, analytics where you want to capture the trend of the what's happening in a particular geography uh, uh, for a particular set of customers 
you might want to have at least once for for some class of customers or you you, you may want want at most once for other class of customers so so there, there is a lot of mix and match in terms of the asks now coming to the technology platforms storm actually has two layers one is the core storm which talks in terms of spout bolts and topologies and then they have defined a high level programmatic uh, framework which is called as trident right so what we found is that the core storm it actually guarantees at least once processing uh, natively which means that each message as soon as it's picked up by the spout it hands over uh, to the bolt and then there's a something called a message timeout if the message is not acknowledged back by the spout within that timeout the message is uh, uh, marked as failed and it's simply pushed back down the pipeline so it easily is able to achieve at least once at the same time the processing framework allows you to bypass the acking which uh, which means an application can do at most once as well now what's left is exactly once exactly once requires an at least once at the source which is there and the target bolts have to have the capability of deduplicating the messages okay so what it means is that if the external system where the bolt is trying to write data if that supports a capability of identifying that given a message have I written it already or have I seen it already if yes let me drop it if this kind of capability is natively available is provided by the external system for example uh, uh, a key value store or let's say relational system right so you can very easily achieve exactly once in strong so so overall uh, the the rules of the game are quite nicely laid out by storm if you look at the trident uh, the documentation really uh, goes in detail and tries to define uh, how to really write a transactional spout and a transactional state which can achieve all these three message processing guarantees and and obviously the 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 same uh, now let's how does spark streaming fare in this area so what we find is that spark streaming uh, tries to define this entire story uh, in terms of uh, you know how is my receiver uh, from which i am reading message how is that guy uh, is it is it uh, a reliable or is it uh, really uh, capable of uh, uh, handling acknowledgements and if it is the spark streaming architecture allows you to read the data uh, in by what's called as receivers those receivers hold the data for the current batch and they replicate amongst themselves and then um, uh, the spark job gets triggered now what uh, we found is that the earlier versions of spark had scenarios of data loss happening for example if your spark driver got killed in between or let's say your receivers read the data from the external source uh, they got data in memory but uh, they died in between there were some scenarios where 
you could have loss of data which was fixed by spark streaming in the subsequent versions i think in 1.2 or uh, they they introduce a uh, right ahead logs so uh, uh, what that meant is that the network receivers would read the data and uh, immediately r write it to sdfs so that um, before actually handing it down for processing so that in the eventuality of uh, receivers going down when the job is uh, again uh, triggered the data is read from the right ahead log so this actually provided fault tolerance uh, to some extent but then uh, what it also meant is that there is a lot of overhead in terms of unnecessary replications happening there's a requirement for spinning up an SDFS cluster simply for doing SD uh, right ahead logging and overall it was quite inefficient. Uh, it also meant that uh, I have to as an as an administrator as an uh, uh, as an operational uh, uh, guy I have to really worry about spinning off extra nodes extra storage simply to hold the redundant data which can uh, uh, be useful in terms of uh, in the cases of data in cases of uh, let's say your demons going down so uh, but the good thing about spark streaming is that the community is really working uh, uh, reacting very quickly and solving all these bottlenecks for example uh, they have given uh, uh, a lot of uh, special attention to Kafka as the source and they've provided a direct integration uh, APIs for Kafka specifically uh, I think in release 1.3 which was the latest release at the time of our evaluation so so it sounds like you know it's it, the the trade-offs are made even more complex because with if you choose spark it sounds like spark may not have been the best you know when you were doing this evaluation you were kind of thinking well storm looks stronger but the spark community might be stronger so exactly. spark might might win out over time right exactly so spark streaming uh, by design they don't have a true native stream processing framework they are trying to achieve stream processing by uh, shrinking the batch and uh, allowing people to configure as small a batch size as possible but uh, the the underlying processing framework because of the way it's designed it actually ended up reading data but having some data failure scenarios which they are trying to very quickly fix on a case-to-case -case basis for example for kafka they have given direct integration where they're they've just bypassed the uh, the executor layer uh, the job directly reads from Kafka and uh, 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 tracks the offsets at each Kafka partition and uh, it's able to uh, achieve exactly one semantics but then uh, what it meant for us is that um, you know there are a lot of uh, other proprietary messaging systems within uh, in Mobi and which might well be the case with other uh, enterprise companies as well mm. where you can't always assume that your data your source systems uh, would always in 100% scenarios will be having data always available in Kafka if it is not the case then you might be running into suboptimal scenarios with spark streaming which was actually the case with us uh, to begin with 
But even in that scenario, couldn't you hand off the data from the ingesting message system to Kafka? Right. Just have Kafka as the universal right. point of integration? Right, right. That's always uh, an option available. But what it meant is that uh, in order to work around some inherent limitation of the stream processing platform, I would have to actually uh, ask for more resources to... Uh, pick up data from one system and ingest data in another system. It is possible theoretically, but then there uh, it it could be like uh, costly in in terms of uh, uh, operational requirements. Somebody has to really monitor those very pipelines, which have to again be designed in a robust, fail-safe manner, providing all sorts of data consistency and uh, fault tolerance guarantees. So, so yeah. as you can very well see, building layer on top of a, another system brings up a lot of overheads, uh, both in terms of manual resources and also operational overhead, which we clearly wanted to avoid. But having yeah. said that, uh, what we are finding is that Spark's community is very rapidly uh, evolving and um, uh, the, for example, the the Kafka direct integration uh, mechanism is being extended to other uh, uh, important sources like uh, Flume and uh, there are others. So we do foresee that in the near uh, short to medium term, uh, they would be uh, trying to overcome these limitations to some extent. And one of the other evaluative criteria you were looking at was automatic scalability. Right, right. How how was how did Spark and Storm compare in terms of automatic scalability? That's a very very important requirement because we are living in a world where uh, the input uh, traffic simply can't be uh, thought well in time. You can have overnight spikes. Of data you have a product launch it goes viral and all of a sudden you have 10x of the data which you have to process or let's say you have uh, your downtime happening in your processing pipeline resulting in a backlog you are stuck uh, for hours and then as soon as the downstream uh, systems they come back online you are left with processing huge amount of backlog, which you have to quickly clear in as less time as possible. So it so the and, and the whole story of uh, AWS Cloud is simply around automatically scaling. Right. So so that was clearly one of the asks uh, from uh, Storm or Stream or Spark Streaming or any other candidate. Hadoop does very well in this area. What we found is that Storm actually uh, had added the capability of uh, uh, automatically scaling by providing a rebalancing capability. So what that meant is that initially if you have configured your cluster with let's say 10 nodes you have uh, and you let's say you have saturated the resources if you have a lot of uh, new incoming data and you have spare hardware all you need to do is to spin up um, the new boxes, run supervisor daemons on them and configure them to point uh, 
to the zookeeper cluster that's it each supervised diamond is intelligent enough to join the cluster uh, and declare its uh, resources to the overall cluster as uh, once that is done an administrator can simply uh, issue a rebalance api where they can increase the parallelism of currently run topologies and nimbus would automatically uh, uh, scale out the tasks running on the older boxes out onto the newer boxes so that allows us to scale out and scale in as as per our requirements on the other hand when we look at the spark streaming they actually uh, did not support uh, automatic scaling at that point of time uh, we actually we checked out the the, the mailing lists uh, and uh, it looked like because spark streaming is underlying uh, using spark framework spark assumes that at the starting of the job there are these n number of tasks n number of executor processes which can't be compromised during the course of that run so what it means is that if i have 10 executors participating in the current instance of the job those 10 have to be there throughout the job they can't be increased or decreased during the run of that job uh, and that sounded like a big enough um, uh, limitation that probably deserved a deeper look uh, which might have taken uh, time to to be fixed by the by the spark streaming community uh, they might need uh, support from the underlying spark framework itself to be able to achieve uh, automatic scaling uh, and uh, hopefully they should be able to solve that uh, sometime in the near future as well mm. So, so we've, we've explored all these different evaluation criteria. Let's talk about what you chose. What, what platform did you end up using? Right. So uh, overall, when we actually uh, put up our evaluation criteria and, the, uh, and when we try to summarize uh, putting uh, both platforms side by side, we actually found, we actually had a very interesting observations. What we found is that Storm uh, was uh, uh, were doing quite quite good in some areas. For example, the processing model was simply uh, uh, you know very broad enough to handle both uh, uh, per message and batch. And then the message delivery guarantees was simply uh, uh, complete from our requirement perspective. The fault tolerance was very good. As in, um, you 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 kill any supervisor you kill any nimbus and it has absolutely no impact on the running jobs that's exactly what we want the auto scaling was one of the strong points but then there were some weak points in storm as well at that time for example um, the state management uh, was not as good as what we would have wanted uh, some teams would want very rich uh, uh, windowing capabilities uh, for example, they wanted to, you know, maintain states for a long period of time and consult the states during the course of the processing. So, uh, Storm was not faring that well in in the in this particular area. The yarn integration was not up to the mark at that uh, point of time because we tried uh, integrating Storm in yarn via slider framework. Now that did allow Storm to uh, join the yarn cluster, but then 
there were some uh, very apparent limitations uh, with respect to how to debug. The log files were simply not reachable. We had to log into boxes, find out where they are, and it was really a, a very uh, painful exercise. On the other end, Spark Streaming had its own strengths. Uh, for example, Yarn integration was simply there because it's meant to support Mesos and Yarn from the from day one, and uh, from Yarn gives it a capability of uh, resource isolations uh, because uh, you, in Yarn you can really configure your C groups uh, to lock down the number of cores each container would take, even the memory requirements. So that that. Uh, caters very good for Spark Streaming. The functional primitives which Spark Streaming provides are really pretty rich for uh, anybody who wants to you know, do uh, rich ETL capabilities. Uh, but then it, uh, the core platform uh, pieces, some of the critical ones were missing. For example, uh, the fault tolerance was not really up to the mark how we would have liked it. The message delivery guarantees are being fixed on a case-by-case -case basis, for example, for Kafka, but then uh, it's not really a, 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 a 360 degree uh, uh, offering uh, as it stands today. Uh, so overall, putting everything into perspective, we felt that probably uh, uh, we should standardize for Storm as the choice of our platform uh, to begin with and uh, start uh, developing applications on Storm. Have you finished building out your Storm implementation? Right, so uh, as uh, the, the uh, as we are speaking, we are actually productionizing a lot of uh, our processing um, on uh, Storm uh, platform and uh, we are actually seeing uh, pretty good results uh, so far. What What kind of results are you seeing? Is there any um can you can you contrast any sort of performance metrics with uh how things were prior to implementing a streaming framework okay so so actually uh prior to going uh storm we had uh we really didn't have any true uh, stream processing platform uh, uh and neither we had applications which were doing uh, uh real-time stream processing except a few uh, proprietary applications which were uh, you know really implemented for solving a very small subset of use cases so uh, in that sense it, it has been a very uh, novel exercise for us and, and quite uh, exhaustive as well because uh, we, we are uh, really ambitious uh, uh, what we want to do is to actually consume the entire uh, activity streams which are uh, being generated uh, uh, geographically uh, uh, in our various clusters uh, and we want to build topologies and deploy them in a in, in our geo distributed setup in such a way that uh, we are able to process each and every message uh, in in sub seconds latency so the initial results seem to be indicating that um, it is indeed possible to get closer to those um, latency uh, targets. So we are uh, also uh, trying to uh, have a very uh, keen eye on where the Storm community is going. 
of late there has been a lot of traction and a uh, lot of uh, exciting features are being added in storm community as well which uh, uh, really uh, uh, are important for uh, any enterprise for example they're adding security and uh, nimbus high availability and um, capability to have back pressures uh, in case of uh, uh, processing going slow uh, so so these are some of the very key uh, requirements which uh, gain immense value when we start operationalizing beyond development when you are actually running the show these things do become very important that's great well um, to begin to close off I guess I'll ask you one final question. What do you see as the future of the big data stack? Like, how do you think these different streaming platforms will evolve? Um, I, so I was just at QCon, which is this conference in San Francisco. Right. Uh, well, they have conferences all over the world, but um, this one was in San Francisco. And there were all these talks on streaming frameworks. There were so many of them. Like, right. I, I I think it was a single day and I counted, I heard about like 10 or 15 <laughs> different streaming frameworks. Um, how does this stuff get resolved? I mean, we used to just have Hadoop and it was like everybody just used Hadoop. Right. And so so, so uh, stream processing is actually uh, getting, uh, this entire uh, space is getting very interesting because uh, off late, you, there have been a lot of uh, new players uh, uh, on one hand, you have a fairly established uh, frameworks like, you know, Storm, which have been out there for a long time, have been really uh, proved in real battle testing scenarios, uh, uh, handling internet scale data at Twitter and Yahoo. On the other hand, you have like Spark streaming, which is backed by a rock solid community, adding uh, a lot of features on a day-to-day -day basis. And then on the other hand, you see all these new uh, uh, players like Apache Flink uh, and uh, uh, Apache Apex, which is uh, the data torrent, uh, open sourcing their uh, real-time stream processing engine. So, so we 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 are really entering in a world of um, stream processing where there's going to be uh, uh, a lot of mix of these uh, players. So, uh, it looks to me that uh, stream processing is something which is here to stay number one there's no doubt about that uh, uh, the processing requirements the latency us are reducing day by day uh, and, and it's very obvious you know you as a customer if you're using any application no nobody has the time and energy and, and patience to wait for your results to just you know come and just buffering so no no nobody is going to do that so there's a lot of pressure on 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 this and enterprises to be really to be as fast and agile as possible so the way we foresee is that uh, each uh, play, each framework is going to bring a different set of strengths which would uh, might be meaningful to a different class of customers so for example if somebody wants to uh, get very low latency processing and uh, very simple uh, operational uh, deployment they might want to go 
Storm. On the other hand, if somebody wants to, you know, write a same code base which works in batch and streaming and they want to achieve Lambda architecture, they might want to go Spark streaming. On the other hand, if somebody wants to have uh, uh, your uh, uh, DSL kind of requirements which Flink is giving, they might uh, be inclined to Flink. So it's going to be an interesting mix. But uh, we still need to see uh, in the long run how much of community and how much of industry adoption is there because at the end of the day these are the single two most important things which define and determine the success of any platform you have to have community backing the project and you have to have large-scale deployments where issues are getting ironed out so we have to wait and watch to see how the space gets uh, matured and um, uh, more clarity is there. Great. Well, Satish Mittal, thank you so much for all your time. This has been a really interesting discussion. You've answered a lot of my questions around uh, these different streaming frameworks and how they trade off and why there's so many of them. Um, I look forward to to more more blog posts about uh, InMobi and how your how your streaming architecture progresses. Right, right, right. We will definitely be sharing our uh, learnings um, and insights which we are getting as we progress on our journey. Awesome. Well, Satish, thanks for coming on to Software Engineering Daily. Thanks, Jeff. It's been great talking to you. My pleasure.